pathetic flesh. Welcome to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. My name is Matt. Each week, my friend Andrew and I watch an old horror movie and talk about it. I'm a big fan of classic horror movies, while Andrew is watching these movies for the first time. This week, we talked about the absolutely insane pre-code horror flick, Dr. X. Alright, so, uh, we're going to talk about Dr. X which is the 1932 pre-code horror movie, a horror comedy, directed by Michael Curtis. Horror romantic comedy. Yes, horror romantic comedy. <laughs> a tra- I think we, t- we uh, had um, Mad Love as a uh, tragic romantic comedy or romantic tragic comedy. Well, this one I watched a trailer for mm-hmm. after the fact, which actually put like the whole movie in perspective. <laughs> it was like, you'll gasp and then you'll giggle. Yeah. And all of a sudden... Because I got really confused. Okay, but actually, keep introing it. Well, yeah. I'll save that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what, what did you what did you think of uh, of Doctor X? Um, I was really confused, and it felt weird because there was like this pratfall guy, like making jokes, and like a like there's this comedy guy in the middle of this horror movie. Uh, until I realized afterwards that that was like well, that was the it wasn't a horror movie necessarily. It's supposed to be such a comedy, so I thought they were just like a weird thing of the times. I'm like, oh, this is just what they did in movies back then. I mean, it kind of is. It kind of is what they did. There's like a lot of these movies have this weird like dissonance in tone, and like I don't know how. It's almost like they weren't as concerned with genre and they just wanted to like mash up laughing and murder because that's people like both those things. Uh, yeah, like the reporter felt like for the longest time he was he was in a different movie. <laughs> he really is. He really is. <laughs> Pretty much up until the like the climax of the film, he's in a different movie. And then yeah, it's the, like he's. I'm expecting him to like when like the you know he faces the villain. I expect him to like slap him on the nose and grab him, like poke him in the <laughs> eyes. <laughs> Did the Three Stooges noise there? Yeah, yeah. He pretty much. I'm pretty sure he he pretty much made Three Stooges noise. Yeah. So this this movie get does get it's talked about mainly because of uh, not really because of the comedy, but because of the. Uh, I guess the extreme nature of the horror content, which I guess isn't as extreme as you might find in a movie today, but uh, there's like prostitutes, there's implied rape, there's cannibalism, uh, mutilation, all that kind of stuff. And it was, I mean, it's pretty... Uh, there was a dope fiend. There was a dope fiend, yep. Who was, who was very sharply dressed. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's the main reason. I guess that's like the most interesting thing about it as well. Because it's really not that funny. No, it's, well, maybe if I was, like, in the 1930s, that would have been, like, a rip-roaring, like, knee slapper, but with my, you know, my modern sense of comedy. There's some decent monster movie makeup on uh, Dr. X at the end, or not Dr. X, I guess, on the, mo- oh, on the moon, yeah. on the moon, uh, the moon killer. Or... Yeah, the mo- when he's, like, yeah, when he's, like, slabbering the putty all over yeah. himself. That's pretty weird. But it, it also had that weird thing that um, Mad Love did, where... You know what? The hands are way too big for the body because, you know, they have to be gloves. Yeah. So that should... I think that might just be a theme for these movies where the hands are really big when they do makeup hands because then you just put gloves on them. Yeah, I don't know. I was actually looking at uh, uh, like a picture of Colin Clive who played uh, uh, Orlock in Mad Love. 
from a different movie and his hands are like weird looking. So I think he might just have weird looking hands. Ah. Like weirdly appropriate monster hands. I don't know. Murder hands. Well, no, but when the other guy got his hands, they were way too big. Yeah, for no, his... Warlock was the guy with the who received the murderer hands. Oh, okay, so he just he has just has weird hands. giant hands. Okay, <laughs> I saw this picture of him from Frankenstein. He was like pulling a lever or leaning over a counter or something, and he had huge like flippers. So unless wow. he, unless he also had makeup hands, or maybe he just insisted on having his hands enhanced for every film he was in. Also, what do they call him? Doctor Xavier, <laughs> Doctor Xavier. Do they, they... No, no, they didn't call him that. That's really constantly threw me off. They call him something else. Yeah, they pronounce it differently. I don't remember that. It's like Xavier. <laughs> well, you know, he's a professor. It's he European. Is. A professor named. <laughs> he's got a European aspect. I don't really, I don't really uh, get why the movie's called Doctor X. Because he's... I just Doctor like... Xavier, I suppose, but yeah. And at one point, they actually call him Dr. X. Like, hey, Dr. X. Why would they call it, like, the Moon Killer or uh, Cannibal Holocaust or something like that? Because there's already a Cannibal Holocaust, <laughs> and the Moon Killer isn't going <laughs> to sell tickets. <laughs> oh, Dr. X will sell tickets? Right. Hmm. Are you, in the, You're saying in, like, the middle of the 30s, Dr. Something doesn't sound like a good horror movie to you? <laughs> I like Cannibal Holocaust, personally. Well, that doesn't have... Gasping and giggles in it. Yeah, there's no giggles in that movie, as I recall. So basically, how the movie goes is it's kind of like two plot threads running simultaneously, sort of, for mm-hmm. most of it. Where there's, like, murders and the police investigating. So there's a bunch of murders around this medical school, or is it a medical lab? Yeah, it's a lab, I believe, because they're all old men, mm-hmm. the suspects. Yeah. Or I guess it could be a school. Because it could all be yeah, professors. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, there's a bunch of murders around this area, and so the police start coming after the lab because, you know, there's, like, medical precision in the murders. Mm-hmm. It could only be a brain scalpel. <laughs> scalpel. Scalpel. Or however they pronounced it. It wasn't, wasn't like, scalpel. Dr. Xavier, hand me your scalpel. <laughs> yeah, they, I'm pretty sure they pronounced that word weirdly, too. Just everyone just novocating up their tongues, novocating up their faces before they went to perform. So at one point, Dr. Xavier... Has like the fun, weird idea. They're like, I'm gonna go solve the murder by bringing all these men to my mm-hmm. lab, and for using this overly elaborate, which I guess boils down to what people most people refer to as lie detectors. They had to, they had to be like strapped in and like lightning shot through them and stuff, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, but it just monitored the yeah. heart rate. There was like a blood tube that shot up, and when the blood fountain emerged, it meant you were the killer. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna shoot this lightning at you and see what just your heart rate. Stare at these wax statues. Watch my daughter be strangled. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Yeah, it's movie stats. Although I did like one of those guys was like, "How could you put your daughter up there in that state of undress?" He's like, and the other guy's like, "Excuse me, that's no reason to judge her." Yeah. Yep. Women's rights. Women's. Some like yeah, some nineteen thirties yep. like, like. This movie's packed full of feminists. Oh, I absolutely. To the brim. That maid didn't die, did she? She just stayed in bed the whole time? I don't No, I don't think she died. Okay, I was just expecting her to. Yeah. She got a good strangling, didn't she? She did get a good <laughs> strangling in the first but Yeah, I don't I don't recall her dying. I think she just kind of Well, maybe she does. She could. That guy was like he strangled a lot of people on the side. He uh 
Okay, I'm reading the Wikipedia entry. Actually, I see he has his butler and his maid. I remember that. Butler and his maid reenact the killings to tantalize yeah. the killer and to... Uh... To raise his blood pressure and make him all hot <laughs> yeah. and bothered. So... Yeah, but then his the maid gets sick. Yeah. So his daughter has to yeah, go in. Yeah, makes sense. He also had three, like, cr- perfectly scrapped wax sculptures of the other victims. This is like the this is like the cutting edge of criminology right here. <laughs> this is going to be a skill in uh in Sherlock Holmes RPG. <laughs> Waxology. Yeah. Create uh, elaborate reproductions of uh, murders in order to tantalize the killer into confessing. Or I don't know what exactly would happen. It was his. It was so that he would lie in his heart because only his heart could tell the truth, and he wouldn't be able to lie to his heart. Um, yeah. So the Lionel Atwell is Doctor Xavier, and Faye Ray as is um, his daughter. They're both actress, actor, and actress that you will see again and again in movies like this. So I hope we get used to them. Faye Ray is probably is definitely most famous for King Kong. She was the King Kong, King Kong lady. lady. Yep, the one that gets carried up there. What's her Faye name? Ray. No, I mean in King Kong. Uh, Does she have one? <laughs> yeah, she has a name. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Yeah, she's also uh, mentioned by name in the Rocky Horror Picture Show song, um, the first, the initial song there, Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, Time nope. Warp. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, Saturday Night Picture Show, whatever it's called. The name escapes me. I believe that. That's the name of it. Um, yeah, she was Anne Darrow in King Kong. Okay. And the Rocky Horror Picture Show song is Science Fiction Double Feature. Okay. Kind of close. Uh, I was, I was, I circled it. Lionel Atwell is, uh, I don't know what he's most famous for. I guess he's probably most famous for uh, when he's in Son of Frankenstein. He plays yeah. uh, the Inspector, Inspector Keog or Inspector Krog or something. And um, I think he's only famous because they basically just copied the character exactly for Young Frankenstein. Without, oh. without having to change it at all, just it's stayed a parody or it became a parody of itself. Uh, he's got like a in that movie he has a uh, wooden arm and he has to like move it around and stuff. You know? Okay, I can see how that could you have you could parry that without changing very much. Yeah. But yeah, and uh, I think he was also famous in his lifetime for being part of a massive sex scandal, which sort of which sort oh, okay. of confined him to these movies for the rest of his career. Good yeah, on good him. him. Some kind of orgy. I don't know. And there was a sequel to this movie. Return of Dr. Uh, X. Featured none of the same characters. Did it feature Dr. X at uh, least? Yes, there was a new Dr. X. This, this time Dr. Oh, okay. X is actually the villain. Played by Humphrey Bogart. That's why I assume Dr. X was the villain, because he at some point returned. Yeah, well. <laughs> Usually things villains no, just do. Just an unconnected movie with the same name in order to... Yeah. Humphrey Bogart played uh, Dr. X in that movie. played the villain. It was like a guy who drained blood to keep himself alive. Yeah, I don't. Th- I believe Humphrey Bogart would never speak of that movie again after he became famous. That's kind of like how Doctor Royals, Royals. That's kind of like the plot of what he did in terms of like extending life. Yeah, he's well, kind of. Yeah, and synthetic flesh. Yeah. So at least it kind of went thematically there to tie in for the yeah, sequel. Body touching, and there is a uh, there's a wacky reporter character throughout as well, a different one. Also. I've noticed the trend of this movie is just reporters breaking into houses whenever they want to. Well, it's just, it's just, I guess, I guess it was just a simpler time, you know, like we need a story, if you need a story, <laughs> just get in there, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you know? Yeah. Just when, uh, or back in the days when a reporter could just walk into any door, well, as, locked or unlocked. 
does he he does he break into he does he breaks into the morgue in like the beginning of the movie doesn't he or something or an autopsy well he tries to get into the morgue they don't let him in then he sneaks in as a dead yes, body okay. yep and then he sneaks in the the mansion and then mad love that guy was just like here have some wh-. those were the like houses that he could break into yeah, yeah. mad love the guy was like he has some whiskey or have some gin or whatever it was and he just gave her the gin and walked yeah, walked and up he just yeah, walked yeah. right in I'm sure Mr. Taylor would have broken into more houses if they were available yeah. to him. Well, if he thought there was a story there. Yeah, but he only needed to break into the one. Public has the right to know, you know? <laughs> you got to get the scoops, <laughs> the sensational scoops. Oh, actually, according to Wikipedia, uh, not only is Faye Ray referenced, but uh, this movie is also referenced by name in uh, science fiction double feature. Ah. Dr. X will build a creature. What? He didn't do well, that? I think it was just probably, probably worked with the... Uh, <laughs> The meter of the song. Yeah. He didn't really build anything. He was actually the good well, guy. Well, I wouldn't go that far. He was a little he was a little bizarre. His methods were a little unorthodox. But he his goals like were to find the murderer who he didn't actually know who it was. So like his intentions were there at least. Now, I believe the Wikipedia entry doesn't um doesn't say that if it's like it like ends on a joke. But I feel like this movie ends on like an inappropriate joke. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, no. It ends with it ends with like them with um, like Joanna Xavier and reporter Professor Taylor like going to kiss, and then he turns off the lights for some reason. <laughs> okay. I thought that was weird. Like they're just—it's not like it's like a bedroom scene. It's like they're standing in the middle of like a lab. Well, maybe maybe he, you, yeah, like go ahead. he draws her closer, and then he like shuts off the lights. Maybe he's worried that there's like a killer I, nearby who might remember a murder he committed. You know. <laughs> no, I think he was like, "Quick, I have to end the movie." Yeah, probably, and he just like click. Oh no, it's, we're three minutes over. It's sixty-six minutes or whatever. Quick, click <laughs> off the movie. Yeah, yeah, it made no sense. Like it made sense in terms of like, oh, the lights are going off. That means it's a movie ending. But then in like the scene, like, why would he turn off the lights? Yeah, let's make out in the dark, baby. <laughs> I just threw a burning man out a window. <laughs> a burning man uh, clumped on with fake flesh that he made from murder victims or something also she was like not drugged or anything but she was just kind of like sitting on the bed staring at him for a very long time and he was like taking his sweet old time moving those like creepy hands to her neck and she's just sitting there like people complain about horror movie protagonists sometimes but like that guy wasn't moving very quickly he probably could he probably (laughs) couldn't see all that makeup and she could have just like rolled off that bed and just like booked it off the stage so you're just standing there, like lying. There. I just don't. I don't think there's anything woman, uh, lady like that you could do with the situation, other than wait to die. <laughs> I guess. Well, eventually the reporter did come run. Yeah, to he, she knew what was happening. Just wait patiently in the man. <laughs> just wait patiently for a man to come rescue. That was her plan. Well, it worked. <laughs> Faye Ray is like pretty uh, entertaining. I think as an actress, like she's got some decent on-screen charisma. But she has never given anything more to do than scream. She um didn't even scream for most of that scene. She waited a long time to even yeah. do that. She was like, "Here's this guy with a real creepy face," and like that's clearly not the butler. It's like mm, maybe he is. Maybe he won't. he's getting in the character more. Yeah. Did you see that? Uh, did you see that twist coming? The identity of the killer. I thought it was fairly evident. I think. I mean, it's not like, I guess they didn't really drop any hints, but it just, it just felt like they're... No, no, it's like 100% like a twist. Yeah, I just felt like it seemed like, I don't know, maybe it was just uh, 
Maybe I'm just the twist was retrospect. I just feel like it was evident. I don't know. No, I mean, looking back, you're like, oh, he preserved the jar, like that heart in the jar. Maybe he's worrying about he knows something about flesh, but like, I don't know. They work in like a medical place full of cadavers. You didn't think he needed living flesh? Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's there's also, no like science at work there. So like he, yeah, so like anything's really happening. He's just smearing dead bodies on himself or whatever flesh. Yeah, synthetic flesh, but. Also, they, like, intentionally misled you. Like, they're like, oh, look, the thing popped. That means one of the people seated was the killer. And he was notably not seated or chained up or anything. Yeah, that's true. So, either, like, the machine just doesn't work? <laughs> yeah, or... it probably doesn't work. I mean, I, I'm having trouble understanding of how that thing would work anyway, if you think about it. Um, you didn't see, like, the spinning gyroscope? or <laughs> Yeah, I've never heard of it. A... Lightning? <laughs> It's very impressive. I've heard what he called these. Very just, impressive. No, I, I don't, don't get me wrong. It looks very, very scientific. He's like very powerful. The power of the swirling vortex. Yeah. Will awaken. It was kind of a mess, but he tried. He should just change up everything. He's like he could not possibly do it. He has two hands. He only has one arm. And then it turns out that it didn't really matter. It turned out it wasn't actually a mystery. It was just an excuse for whatever. Excuse for a movie. Excuse for seventy-six minutes. I do like this movie, though, honestly. Was it colorized? Uh, I've only ever seen that version, so I'd have to lie, I'm not quite sure. I don't... Because the trailer itself is in black and white. Let's see, here on the Wikipedia says, uh, yeah, this was um, filmed in Technicolor. Okay. So I, I think, but so they, I think just... they do colorize Technicolor, though. It's just a, they just film it differently. Like, I don't think it's... I think Technicolor is, like, colored, if you look at the way it looks, you know? Yeah. Uh. Or they just like downscale it for trailers. Well, according yeah, maybe they can't switch from color to black. Well, and according white. to this, there's a alternate black and white version that was shot and still exists. It says difference in the two takes are minor. Mentioning specifically uh, the reporters ad lib in a skeleton with a skeleton in the closet is one of the differences. So I guess he does another hilarious joke. Like he probably does. He's probably like, hey, a wise guy made a bones. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense that he was ad-libbing, because it felt like he was definitely ad-libbing some of those scenes. Because you're just kind of, like, going on. First thing he was, like, counting the, the fingers on the skeleton, he's like, ah, you got as much fingers as me, buddy. I'm not sure what his joke was, or, like, who he was doing that for, but I guess he's just a character. He's just a card. Yeah, he's a real, he's a real, uh, he's a real card. That's for sure. <laughs> according to this, according to Wikipedia's article on Technicolor, which is way too long, it is some kind of, like, after, after oh. effect processing that they had the color and it, I mean it doesn't look natural the color usually in those movies I didn't know if that was also some of the like just like the film quality at that point or kids you know it's not going to be as crisp as what we have yes, now we yeah computers we don't even need to build those sets we just put computers we don't even need to build people we can just have yeah, computers we just put computerized synthetic flesh computer voices like why do we even have actors anymore we can use computers uh, such a lot of Nail some. I'm pretty sure we can make a computer that just screams. Yeah, this this isn't one of those movies that I, this movie would be fine if you had added some computer stuff to it. Computer actors, computer science, computer special effects. This isn't a movie that <laughs> suffers. This isn't like this isn't like a like Mad Love or something or or uh, even like The Bride of Frankenstein. This is a uh, this one that is can be approved upon. There's room for improvement. Think of how impressive his lie detecting machine would be if we had computers. Yeah. To make it. Well, maybe that's just insane. Let's not let's not go crazy. It'd be massive. You could like always see the giant like lioscope. <laughs> also, I like the kind of like the design of all the scientists. How, well, they are. It's very distinct. Well, they all had like a, a specific quirk or foible or whatever. Like 
Yeah. What one of them was like what like Well there's a guy I like, I like the part in the beginning where like they're rounding them all up and one of them's like reading some dry textbook and the detective like pokes his head inside and there's like a girly mag in there or something like that. He's like studying hard and they like wake at each other. Uh, professors. And they kept framing things occasionally in shadow, but they, I don't know why they did it. I guess they create like a sense of menace for one of the professors, but it never really like made menace. It's just like, there's occasionally one guy, he had kind of like a beard, the goatee, and he was just always casting shadow. Or often was, like you would see a shadow on the wall instead of him first. Yeah, because there's that guy, then there's like the guy with like the single sunglasses. Or he had like, it was like a monocle, but it looked like it was tinted. Yeah, he's, uh, so weird. I don't know. I couldn't tell. It just looked like a one, like a one monocle, a single monocle. Yeah, that's all I've got. To, all I've got about Doctor X, I think. I think that yeah, that's pretty much Doctor X since his entirety. Yeah, you pretty much skipped the movie. It's pretty much. That's what I got from the movie. I watched it, and there was like, there was. I didn't gasp. Never giggled. I saw where they were supposed to go. I could see why someone would gasp watching this movie. I mean, there's the cannibalism stuff is still, still not a lot of movies about cannibals. Yeah, but telling me somebody's a cannibal doesn't make me guess. Yeah, fair, fair. Maybe if a guy was, like, cannibalizing at the moment, I'd be like, oh! What if he was, like, going to smear synthetic flesh all over himself? Or Don is... And he was like, synthetic, synthetic flesh. It just kind of looked like putty, yeah, though. Well, it looked like he was it was long past the flesh stage of synthetic flesh. The technology for synthetic flesh just isn't there yet, you know? We have to yeah. kill quite a few more people before we get, like, really authentic-looking synthetic flesh. Well, if they don't let them continue the experiments. <laughs> if only. They always have to stop science. Always stopped by ethics. So is the return of a Dr. X, like, really bad? Uh, like, I don't know. No, it's not really bad. It's just, like, not. I don't think it's as notable as this one. Also, Humphrey Bogart was in real movies? Yeah, that's, well, that doesn't, I mean, that, him being in the movie could make it better. It just really, it but doesn't, I mean, like his, doesn't really. His... Like, the announcement of it is because he was also in real movies. Yeah, well, he didn't want to be, uh... I don't think he wanted anyone to remember that he was Dr. X. I think he just would rather forget that whole whole little... There's, like, this... I believe believe he's, like, got a pet bunny, and he's, like, stroking it and talking to it in his weird Humphrey Bogart voice. uh, I I know he's got the dyed streak in his hair. He's got just... just, He ended up being, like, a... Kind of, like, a... Like, the the, the male movie star, you know? Like, I don't think he wanted to remember that he's, like, playing this weird character bit. Yeah, so I guess they went, like, all the way down, not the rabbit hole. They just kind of went all, like, schlocky B-movie with that second yeah. one. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. The comedy part was weird, because I felt, without, like, a backing music track, at some point, I didn't know how I was supposed to feel. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the weird that's, that's <laughs> the weird thing. It's all like, older movies. It's weird how much we depend on musical cues. Sometimes it makes the movie seem, like, much longer, too, like, when there's no musical cues. I don't know why. Because you have to sit there and, like, focus on this guy, like, fiddle around with bones. <laughs> but, like, am I supposed to be scared of these bones or are these funny? <laughs> these funny bones. It's hard to Dracula, tell. Dracula, like, the, the Bela Lugosi Dracula is, like, silent, like, almost. Like, I mean, there's dialogue, but there's, like, zero score. It's really weird. But score is also, like, effective. It's not just, like, a crutch to tell people how to feel. Yeah, I mean, a good, a good score. it can definitely be used for yeah, that. Yeah, a good score enhances the movie. Doesn't just like, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's not supposed to patch holes in the movie, you know. Yeah, it's not like this violence getting stabbed. Oh no, it's bad, scary times. Yeah, but in a movie like this, where maybe, like, you don't even know what's going on half the time, like, maybe <laughs> maybe where the tone doesn't know what's <laughs> yeah. going, the tone doesn't know what it wants to be. 
Yeah, maybe maybe that would be like a difficult place for a nice evocative score. Where it's like, yeah, because it's going from scenes of like people like messing with cadavers and like, I'm gonna tie you. One of these people is a murderer, and they're staring around the room, and everyone's very intent. And then this guy is tripping over skeletons and like spinning in his hat constantly. Is that like a thing they did for some reason? I'm not sure about that. Why that guy keeps spitting in his hat? He kept. I got at one point he tipped salt over and he like flipped it over his shoulder and I get that, but he kept like spitting in his hat. I honestly don't remember ever spitting in his hat, but I probably just like completely ignored it when it was happening. That's he did it more than once too. That's what got my attention. It's that's I don't know. That's something. Yeah, maybe that was just a common thirties behavior. It's impolite to spit on the street, so you just spit on your hat and put your hat on. I guess. He, yeah, he kept putting it back on, too. It's not like he ever took it off. So I don't know like, what his intention was, like, what his goal was there. Thanks for listening to the GoldenAgeHorror.com podcast. For show notes and much more information, please visit GoldenAgeHorror.com. And tune in next week when Andrew and I will talk about the Bela Lugosi killer rape picture, Murders in the Rue Morgue.